Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Friday, February the 18th, 2022. It is currently 4.23 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from Victory Baptist Church, located right here in the middle of nowhere, Texas, right here in the, not the middle, but the back of an empty sanctuary. I'm in the in the middle of nowhere, so it's empty around me, and I'm in an empty sanctuary. And I, I apologize here, but I do have to to lean over here and make sure, okay, I thought we were still currently live on the air on a different platform. I I, I was like, I hope, I hope I, I I stopped everything there, but I think that was all taken care of. But we are we are currently live right here. This is where we're live using the Spreaker app. Our last live broadcast, we were doing kind of an experiment where we were live on two different platforms. But on any episodes where I'm going to play audio clips, I can't be live on both platforms because the other platform doesn't allow, well, for me to, well, upload audio and play it in that platform. And here's the thing. If I'm playing the audio in the other platform, then it wouldn't be playing in this platform. Yeah, it gets all confusing. There's probably an easy fix for people who are technical. That's not me. I mean, I do a pretty good job considering I I, I do everything for this podcast, uh, you know, when it comes to the technical aspects. I think I do a, a decent job, but obviously if we had like, you know, an actual paid staff, I could just say, hey, technical people, make this work. I'll be back tomorrow. Okay, but uh, I, I can't, I don't. If, if, if there's no one here. So uh, I can't fix the technical things, but not only can I not fix the technical things, how do you fix 20 years of invalid baptisms? Yeah, what, what do you do? If for 20 years, uh, uh, someone has been baptizing people and 20 years later they realize, wait a minute, all of those baptisms are invalid. Well, if you are a sacramental church, meaning that you believe that baptism is a visible means of grace that actually brings about regeneration, washes away sin, that's a significant question because that's 20 years of people thinking in a sense that they were born again, regenerated, sins washed away, and in reality, I'm sorry, your baptism was invalid, so you're still in your sin, and oh, I'm sorry, your your family member who, well, died 10 years ago, they died with an invalid baptism. So does that mean they don't go to heaven? Yeah, that that's what we're trying to figure out. And I mention all of that because yesterday we did a discussion about invalid baptisms because of a news story. The news story, here's the headline. It was published on February the 15th, uh, 2022 at 129 a.m. A Catholic priest in Arizona resigned after discovering he'd incorrectly performed thousands of baptisms for over 20 years. We looked at the Catholic Catechism, which I have right here. We discussed, I talked about how they will probably try to find a way around it, make come up with an exception. They'll, they'll try to come up with some, with some concept. I talked about just what makes an invalid baptism. I just threw out a lot of thoughts. And right about the time that broadcast ended, one of our uh, listeners who listens all the time he, uh, sent me, I think it was an email. Maybe they published uh, posted it in the Discord channel. I don't remember where, but they sent me a YouTube video of a similar situation that was being discussed. And I don't have the date on when this one occurred. I'm looking here. Give me a second. Um, 
I believe, let me see if this news, I think this news article refers to it. Yes, in 2020, the Reverend Matthew Hood in Detroit realized while watching a family video that the deacon who baptized him as a baby had also used the wrong phrase of we baptize you. Now that means that person, I don't know when that person received their baptism. So this could go back, this problem showing up within the Catholic church could possibly go back to 1970s, 1980s. Who knows how how many different times this has happened, which then would be like, do you realize the the, the problems this <laughs> creates? If the problem has happened more than once, right? If it's happened more than once, we at least know twice. Well, then that means anyone who was baptized in the Catholic church You probably need to go find video of it because obviously you were a baby. So most likely you don't remember. I mean, there are some adult baptisms, but, you know, 90%, I would think that's a fair estimation, are are infant baptisms. Well, you need to go check immediately to find out if your baptism was valid because if it's invalidated, in theory, well, you're, you're in so much trouble, eternally speaking, from a Catholic theological perspective. So this raises all kinds of questions, but someone sent me a video in regards to I think it's regards to this individual who figured out that he had been baptized incorrectly in 2020. And so there's a video they sent me where there's a discussion about this. And I thought, you know what? We'll just add to what we did yesterday. Maybe by listening to this and me reviewing it, this will add maybe even more clarification or it may just add more questions. Um, There's lots of questions we have here, but uh, let's, let's do this. I got my Catholic catechism here handy if we need it. And uh, we're just gonna we're just gonna listen to this and just see where it leads us. We're gonna. I appreciate the person sharing the video with me. Um, it's interesting. I think I got the video. I think. Well, when I say video, I'm gonna play the audio of the video. Obviously, I've got it all queued up at about the first five or six, maybe eight seconds. He just sits there looking at the camera, just looking at the camera. I think he's waiting for some kind of a countdown uh, before he. I think he did a live stream on YouTube. And I think this video is over a year old. I think this video is over a year old. So I I don't know exactly the timeline for all of this, but it's more discussion about another situation within the Catholic Church where, well, someone baptized incorrectly, which invalidates the baptism. This, I, I, yes, we want to look at it, not only understanding it from a, a, a Catholic theological perspective, but it does raise questions for everyone else about, well, what makes a valid baptism? What invalidates a baptism? Now, again, someone who believes in an, uh, that baptism is an ordinance versus a sacrament, all we've invalidated, all, that if, if a baptism is invalidated, all you've invalidated is the picture, the symbol in which you're trying, which baptism is supposed to symbolize. What, you're, you're, you've invalidated the symbol uh, that uh, that baptism is. In other words, bi- baptism symbolizes a spiritual reality and you just invalidated baptism from symbolizing that or being a picture of that. And, and, and then you could question, so in other words, no one's salvation would be at stake. But if you believe baptism is required for salvation, whether in the so those in the Protestant world who do that or Catholics, Greek Orthodox, anybody else, well, invalidating it then has eternal consequences unless you then find some easy way to get around it, which then destroys your whole idea that baptism is necessary. But let's let's listen to this and we'll just see where it goes. We'll just see where this goes. Here we go. You may have heard recently a Catholic priest in the Archdiocese of Detroit 
had to be ordained again, and really not again, because his first ordination was invalid, his confirmation was invalid, all because his baptism was invalid as an inf- as an infant. You may remember, maybe it was two weeks ago, I did a video here on YouTube in which I discussed uh, the recent Vatican decree that stated that we baptisms, that is communal baptisms that are said like this, we baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. These are invalid. The proper form is I, singular, I baptize you, not we. And the Holy See said that any baptism that's uh, recited the form with we is invalid. The person is not actually baptized and they would have to be properly baptized. Well, there was a certain priest who, upon hearing this decree from the Holy See, he got out the, uh, I guess he got out the VHS. Maybe. All right, so this was a decree, and it sounds like if, now we, we would have to try to track down this decree and figure out exactly when it was, but it seems that if the case they're getting ready to talk about is in 2020, then that means the decree was handed down in 2020. So that means anyone who was baptized prior to 2020 and that we formula was used and then you get to 2020, just magically your baptism became invalidated. Well, what in this particular case, he said that the guy had to go pull out like a VHS or DVD. In other words, this guy had to go pull up video from 10, 15 years before to find out if his baptism was valid or invalid. And he figures out that it's invalid, which then invalidates his ordination. Just just think about how bizarre the whole situation is. Now, I guess within Catholic theology, I guess within Catholic theology, it's somewhat consistent in a sense that they kind of believe that you have to have the church or you don't have salvation. I mean, and I know that in modern ter- t- times, they've tried to move away from that being so dogmatic. But if you go back and read some you know, earlier quotes of Catholicism, there is no salvation outside of the Catholic Church. You need the church if you want salvation. They're the ones who have the sacraments. Well, if they could just ima- just set up a decree and say, You're, the, the sacrament of baptism is invalida- invalidated, well, then in a sense, then they just took your salvation away. Now, and, and if they try to work around it and come up with some kind of an exception, to me, that's just so disingenuous because they've already established in the catechism itself that baptism is required. So it's either required or it's not required. But it's just so frightening that your salvation can be immediately just invalidated because, well, we decided those we baptisms no longer count. So sorry, you're out of luck. I mean, that that's just... Man, I, I, I think the Bible clearly indicates my salvation is found in Christ. It's not found in the hands of what men said, did, or a ritual. That just seems to be majorly problematic, even just from a casual reading of Scripture. This is the most casual reading of Scripture. My, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It, 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 you can't, this is why I don't like the sacramental system because it makes my baptism somehow, I need the church. I have to have the church and I have to have the sacrament. And if I don't get the sacrament, then I, I can't have my original sin washed away and I can't be regenerate. I mean, like that's just, no, I, um, yeah. So it, it just, just raises lots of questions. All right, well, let, let's continue here. He's young enough to have C, uh, DVDs. Um, this is in Detroit. 
Father Matthew Hood, and he watched. Okay, the Matthew Hood case, which we referenced yesterday in the news story that we read, that was 2020, and he had to pull out video of his baptism that obviously I believe happened when he was a baby. So I don't know how old he was in 2020. I don't know how many years he had to look back, but that means the we formula could have been being used Let's say since the 1980s at at minimum. So that's 1980s to 2020. I mean, that's a lot of baptisms that could be invalid. Like that's just, I, I, Catholics don't start questioning. Well, wait a minute. So just, just, they, they just declared in 2020 that all of those were invalid. So that just invalidates salvation. Like that just. Yeah, that that's a system where, yeah, is it Christ the, sa- the Savior or the church the Savior? All right, here we go. Watch the video of his baptism, and sure enough, the deacon unfortunately said, we baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. This means that fatherhood's baptism is not valid, and it means that every sacrament that he received after that confirmation, holy orders, would also be invalid because you have to have the sacrament of baptism in order to receive the sacraments. I want you to think, I want you to think about this. That's That's that the implications there now are even bigger than we, we discussed yesterday. You have to be baptized before you can get the other sacraments. Well, does everyone remember all the other sacraments? Does, that, does everybody remember all the other sacraments. Let me see if I can find a list of them here really quick uh, because I think you'll see what the possible, <laughs> I think you'll see the possible uh, issue here, okay? Uh, let's see here. Um, let's see here. Where does it Give me a list here. I need a list. The seven sacraments of the church. All right, here we go. Um, Do they list them here? All right, yes. Uh, Christ instituted the sacraments. This is from page 311, paragraph 1210 of the Catholic Catechism, all right? Catholic Catechism. Um, I'm glad that I can just find things on the spot in the Catholic Catechism because I did not have it marked, okay? I'm glad glad that education in a Catholic university uh, paid off, all right? Here we go. This is section two, the seven sacraments of the church. Christ instituted the sacraments of the new law, These are seven, baptism, confirmation, the Eucharist, penance, the anointing of the sick, holy orders, and matrimony. (laughs) So literally, so, so, so literally, I, I, this is just crazy. So your confirmation would be invalid, invalidated. So you, not a confirmed member, any, all the Eucharist that you've taken, you've taken the Eucharist in an un, uh, in an unworthy way. So you were you eating damnation upon yourself? Not only that, your marriage is invalid. <laughs> you have an invalid marriage. You've not been taking the Lord's Supper correctly, which could bring judgment and damnation. Upon. Was that a mortal sin? Well, now would be considered a venial sin because you didn't do it with not. Okay, yeah, we can get a distinction there. But I mean, you see all the ramifications from all of that. That's that's just crazy. That's just crazy. So the proper matter for a man becoming a priest is a baptized male. You must be baptized. So this means that every single confession that father heard, absolution he gave, invalid. 
Now think about that. All the people who went to that person, <laughs> that priest to confess their sins, they heard absolution, but they didn't actually receive, uh, they weren't really absolved of their sins. In other words, were their sins even actually forgiven? So, I mean, the whole, that means that the whole system literally collapsed in on itself because someone said, we baptize you instead of I baptize you because the the Vatican decided, hey, the we baptisms are invalid. And so it invalidates everything. Now, you would think this would have been huge news, but I bet you that in many cases, they, like, no, I bet you no one got that worried about it. I bet you no one got that concerned about it. I bet you no one's like, wait a minute. I know so-and-so who went to that priest and confessed and confessed and confessed and they did, they went through all of that. Well, all of that was invalid. So then where did they go? Did they go to hell? Did they go to purgatory? I mean, did they, that could, could they even be in a state of grace if they never received any absolution from any of their sins because all of their confessions were invalid? The Eucharist did not wash away their sins because it was invalid. Their, their, ba- their baptism was invalid. And literally, they would, they, in theory, according to Catholic theology, all of those people then would have died and went to hell unless they corrected it all later on. That, that's just, that's just so insane that, yeah. There's a lot we could talk about here. Let's continue. Mass that he tried to celebrate was invalid. Every extreme unction and last rites he did, invalid. This is horrific. This is what we might even say is satanic. <laughs> Every last rites that was done was invalid. That means, look, that priest would have been responsible for a whole lot of people going to hell. You see, this this places salvation such in the, the the hands of the church that I mean, like that. Oh, there's so so many problems. I'm interesting to see where he goes here. Now, here in a minute, I did listen to enough of this. Typically, I don't listen to anything, but I wanted to at least have an idea where this is going. I think he's going to uh, he's going to stop here in a minute, and then they're going to pray. I think it's the Latin prayer of basically the Lord's prayer. I I, I wish I could have edited that out, but I wanted you to hear that. I, I could have. I probably could have worked this out and I didn't think about it. So it's going to take a minute to get past that. But I just want you to know what's going on when that occurs. All right, here we go. That the evil one has influenced certain clergy to change the words of the sacraments to create these horrific situations because it's not, doesn't just affect fatherhood. It is shameful deacon named Deacon Mark Springer who should be stripped and laicized and shamed. He was doing these invalid baptisms at St. Anastasia Parish in Michigan for 14 years. How many? Now, what I think is interesting, <laughs> so so this sounds like this is obviously coming from a Catholic perspective. This is Satan's fault. <laughs> Satan, he's the one responsible could could you possibly stop and realize maybe your entire theological system appears to be broken beyond all comprehension that everyone that literally people's entire salvation can be invalidated because someone said we baptize you instead of i baptize you and then it's all invalid and once the baptism goes everything goes all the sacraments go everything everything's finished everything's done like your system demonstrates salvation is not found in the finished work of Christ. It's finished in the work of, it's finished in the church. The church controls it. 
And 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 I'm I'm sorry. I'm going to have a hard time finding that in the Bible. I'm 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 going to have a hard time. They don't point people to the church for salvation. They point people to Christ for salvation. And praise God for that. Because the church isn't made up of imperfect people. I mean, come on, look at the Catholic church. Look at all of the horrible scandals. Look at every church. Look at every, look at 2,000 years of church history, Protestant, Catholic, you name it. There's scandal, sin, failure, problems, hypocrisy, over and over and over and over. Praise God that none of man's failures or the failures of the church has any negative impact on one's salvation. Salvation is found in the finished work of Jesus Christ, not in the rituals of a church, because the rituals of a church may well be carried out in an incorrect way. He's blaming Satan here instead of not seeing maybe, does this not raise questions about your entire system that it could all be invalidated that easily? All right, let's continue. Hundreds of people this kind of liturgical abuse. Before I get into that, though, I think we should all pray together. We'll pray the prayer that our Lord Jesus Christ gave us, the Our Father, the um, Pater Noster in Latin, Oremus. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Pater Noster, qui es in celi, sanctificetur nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in cello et in terra, panem nostrum quotidianum da nobis odie. Et dimite nobis debita nostra, sicut et nos dimitimus debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amalo. Amen. In nomine Patris, et Filii, et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. St. John. Okay, so there, clearly uh, that, that's just the Latin, Latin, Latin version of the Lord's Prayer just so that you know what's going on. And I think he's getting ready to say something about one of the saints. Clearly, this is from a Catholic perspective, right? So that's, that's. I'm glad one of the listeners sent this to me because I wanted to hear some Catholic perspectives on all of this. And I, I, I now I didn't look today. I'm, I'm, I'm sure that there's gotta be some Catholic programs talking about all of the current controversy with the, with the current priest who 20 years have been doing it wrong. Um, it will be interesting. Uh, it's just, but it's interesting to note that this is not a new problem. This is an older problem, and even here's a Catholic admitting basically this is horrific, this is horrible, and this is like the work of Satan. This is like the work of Satan. Well, man, Satan can destroy. Can I mean that, that's pretty easy for Satan to destroy everyone's salvation since it can be invalidated by the use of we versus I. That's just yeah. I mean, what, sometimes you have to ask yourself. From at least, you have to ask the question, I think in, in many cases to all people from a sacramental perspective, but I mean, did Jesus accomplish anything? I mean, that, that's, that's, I think, a valid question. Joseph, pray for us. St. Pius X, pray for us. All right, so what we have here is the heresy of modernism. Pope St. Pius X identified this early in the 1900s. I catalog how it began in the early, well, really starts beginning in the Reformation, but ramps up within the Catholic Church in the mid-1800s. It's called by a number of things, naturalism, liberalism. By the time we get to St. Pius X, it's called modernism. And I trace all that out for you and how it's related to the occult and naturalism and Freemasonry in my book, Infiltration. If you want to learn more about that history, check that out there. Modernism is the idea 
that we are saved by our own nature. It's really a rehashing of the heresy of Pelagianism. Pelagius was a arch heretic. He was a nemesis of St. Augustine of Hippo. He taught that there is no original sin. Uh, humans are just wounded. And if we, we can, by our own nature, by our own merits, pick ourselves up by our own bootstraps and get ourselves to heaven. In other words, Pelagius taught that implanted in every human was a divine spark of grace already present. Original sin was denied by Pelagius. Now, St. Augustine said, no, no, no. We are born without sanctifying grace. We are born without original righteousness or original justice. We come into this world spiritually dead. That's a hard reality, but it's true. Every baby coming from its mother's womb, unbaptized, is spiritually dead. All right, see now, so every baby is spiritually dead, and the solution is da, 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 baptism. Baptism will fix it, okay? And where do you've got to go to baptism? To get the sacrament of baptism, you have to go to the church. So you need the church in order to get that baby saved. However, one mistake can invalidate said baptism, so then that baby is still dead in their trespasses and sins, but then they're going to find a way to, I guarantee, well, we've already seen in the catechism how they try to make some exceptions, um, you know, well, you know, a baby, a baby could still possibly, I mean, we, 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 we commit the baby to the grace of God and they still try to come up with a, a way to make it work, which the whole thing just, you know, to me, you invalidate your whole idea that baptism is required. If you start making exceptions, it just it makes no sense. I, I, I can't stand with people like baptism is absolutely required for salvation. Well, you know, if this happens or this happens or this happens or this happens and come up with, no, no, it either is or isn't. Okay. So, um, it, it's interesting. He's mentioning Pelagianism here. I, 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 it's just, I guess what I, drives me crazy is I have a tendency, like, like the, say the rise and fall of Mars Hill podcast. A lot of people listen to that so that they could say, look, Mark Driscoll was, you know, a failure. He messed up and how bad that church was and, and just use it to, to really condemn and talk about how bad they were. I tried to go, let's look at that and see what we have done wrong, how, how I have done something similar and say, like, look to me, like use it as a mirror, not use it as a window so that I can look out and in a sense, look at the neighbors and try to figure out what they're doing. It's interesting that he's like, He's not using this to go, well, wait a minute. Maybe, maybe this calls into question our entire system. No, 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 no. He's mentioned the Freemasons. He's, free, he's mentioned everyone else, but somehow the Catholic system is, is still okay. I think this would cause me to question the entire system, but let's see where he takes this. How can you say that, Taylor? They're innocent. Of course, they've never committed any actual sins. But unlike Adam and Eve, their first existence, other than the Blessed Virgin Mary and our Lord Jesus Christ, their very first moment of existence at conception was without sanctifying grace, without original righteousness. They were not justified when they were conceived. This is, all of us were born outside the Garden of Eden. This is classic Catholic theology. If you had a Baltimore catechism, they had pictures teaching you this. And this is why we baptize infants. By the way, Pelagius denied the baptism of infants. He believed that we could be saved without sacraments. Now, modernism, which is a denial of the supernatural, also teaches this. 
So for them, the sacraments become less about the transcendent and the vertical, less about God, and more about the horizontal, the imminent, the communal, the community, the we. So here we have Darth, uh, sorry, I was going to say, almost said Darth, Deacon Mark Springer. He is being cutesy with the sacraments for 14 years and changes the words. You know, Father Z, Father Zolsdorf has a great saying for priests. It is, say the black and do the red. In the, in the missal, there are black words that the priest says, and when there's words in red, that's what the priest does, like make the sign of the cross three times. That's the red. That's why they're called the rubrics. This priest took it upon himself to change the words of the holy sacrament of baptism. And he created a gigantic mess. Not only are there people, hundreds of kids probably, that were baptized by Deacon Springer, who are not baptized, who did not receive the indelible character of baptism, sanctifying grace and regeneration. But here we have a man, presumably a good man, a good priest, Father Hood, who found out, that because Deacon Springer wanted to be cutesy at the font, he was deprived of the holy priesthood after going through all this seminary training. Now, I guess my question would be, and again, this is the Catholic talking, so I, I'm trying to listen to him to get a better understanding of all of this. He seemed to indicate that it was later on that the, the, the Catholic Church invalidated the we formula. Well, how long did they know the we formula was going on? Like, like, was the we formula 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 always invalidated, or did it not get invalidated till later? And if it didn't get invalidated till later, why did they invalidate it? Right? Well, they got. You can say, well, they got cutesy and they didn't read the words in the black, and and they they did the wrong thing, and this is a satanic attack. Well, my question would be, well, wait a minute. If the Catholic Church knew that the we formula was being used, what? If, if, they are, if they're the ones who can invalidate it, can't they be the ones who validate it and say, you know what, I or we both are acceptable because this has been going on for too long and we're not going to risk anyone's salvation. I mean, you're basically saying the Catholic Church controls everyone's salvation. This has nothing to do with Christ. This has something to do that you believe the church is in charge of what people's salvation. Because if the church didn't invalidate it, would it be invalid? In other words, would the we formula be invalid if the Catholic Church didn't invalidate it? And if, if it wouldn't be invalidated, then don't blame the priest, blame the church who invalidated them if they didn't have to. Did they have to invalidate them? Like, they, they're like that's, I've got lots of questions and he's not yet explaining any of that. He just wants to, you know, this is modernism. This is, this is, this is a satanic plot. I, I think there's questions about your system here that needs to be answered. A deacon, way back in the day when he was a baby, screwed it all up by changing the words. Now, why do priests and deacons and even bishops think that they can play around with the sacramental language? There's a few reasons. First of all, in the 1960s, from 1965 to 1970, Paul VI, Pope Paul VI authorized the change of the liturgy for all seven sacraments. Think about that. All seven sacraments were revised. Why? 
Okay, you're a part of a system where the Pope can just revise it. I mean, like, like the, the don't you realize that the problem is your system? Okay, that, that's the problem here. He's like, modernism is the problem. No, the problem is you've got a system where your Pope can just come in and declare, we're going to change everything. Well, can they or can't they? If you say they can, well, then just have the current Pope say, well, the we is back in style. Go ahead. If you were baptized by we, then you're good to go. Like, if you can just do whatever you want to do, then just do it. Like, I, 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 I'm so perplexed here how he's creating this, like, this is a grand conspiracy. Okay. Or your system is broken in a grand fashion. All right. Let's see where we go here. And the revision of them was overseen by a guy named Archbishop Annabal Bugnini, who many say was a Freemason. And he states explicitly in many places that he wanted to make the liturgy more accessible to Protestants. I had the quote up on the screen a few weeks ago. I should have had it ready, but I don't have it. So he wants to change Catholic liturgy, all seven sacraments, to make them more in conformity with Protestant thinking and Protestant practice. That's not a good thing, folks. When people defend the Novus Ordo sacraments, and I'm saying they're valid. I'm not saying they're invalid. But when people defend them, they are defending the principle that the sacraments should be modified. No, they're defending Valid sacraments that you yourself acknowledges are valid. <laughs> hey, hey, don't defend these valid sacraments because you're defending compromise. You're def- well, how did the compromise occur? Are you going to blame it's because Protestants or, or it's a Freemason or it's because you've got a system that allows everything just to be changed by the magisterial authority, which really is in charge of, I guess, not all of everything. This this is some of the major issues of Catholicism when you get into the weeds here. To cater to Protestant theology. That's bad. So first of all, we have a Pope who changes the sacraments. That kind of lets people go, okay, things are in motion here. And then within the sacraments and within the rubrics, the priest or the deacon can make changes as he goes along on the fly. He can change the penitential rite. The priest has four Eucharistic prayers. He can go with one, two, three, or four. There's Eucharistic acclamations that he can also change. So the priest, instead of following a strict script like they do in the traditional Latin Mass, he's more of a DJ. You know, he's he's he can kind of move. He can change penitential rite. You know, like and he can go and he can do Eucharistic prayer or do a two if you want. I guess that's his his idea of mixing. Like that's actually scratching. That's not mixing. The wick wick wick. That's scratching. That's not mixing. Okay. So okay. Never mind. Okay. We'll get into our music discussion. <laughs> that's just funny though. That that just makes me laugh. All right. So he's upset because they they made it where you had different choices. You can say this. You can do this penitential rite, or you can say this acclamation. Or you can say this prayer. In other words, they gave you choices, and he's like, no, there should be no choices, no leeway. It should be one way or the highway. Okay. I I you know what? I can understand that because the more you more you you start allowing some allowances there, then you do have a greater chance where these variations can kind of just 
snowball into something that you did not initially plan. But again, is you can get mad about it, but unless you're a part of the magisterium, what are you going to do about it? Because doesn't the church have the magisterial authority to do exactly what they did? Are you saying they don't have the magisterial authority to do what they did? So th- this all becomes about if the, the church can invalidate or the church could validate. Because your structure, th- th- there, there's so many issues here. All right, let's continue. To save time, if you want to be more traditional, he can, he can kind of start spinning Eucharistic prayer one. The memorial acclamations, which are completely made up and nowhere in the historical Roman rite, he can change those. And in the germ, it says, and in other places, that uh, he can say these words or other similar words in exhortations and things like that. This, over the lifetime of a priest, I believe, I believe, over the lifetime of a priest, this gives him the false impression that he is the Lord and the master of the liturgy. And he's sort of, like I said, he's kind of the DJ. And he can modify it based on the situation. Whereas before Vatican II, the seven sacraments were locked down. The priest couldn't say, you know, I want to shorten things up. I think I'll do these prayers. The priest couldn't say, well, this is a different culture and a different mindset. I'm going to modify the Mass in this way. No. The Mass was the Mass was the Mass. Baptism was baptism was baptism. Confirmation was confirmation. All over the world, immutable. That was the Roman Rite. So, beginning in the 1970s, priests, deacons, all the clergy, the bishops, they started getting the idea that they could modify and change. And then over time, this mentality slips into not just the rubrics, but into the black font, into the text of the sacraments. I have heard in Novus Ordo back in the day, priest change the words of the canon. Instead of saying through him, with him, they say through Christ, with Christ, etc. because they don't want to say him because that's offensive to feminists. This is the kind of thing I'm talking about. Now, Also, the idea of baptism changes after, well, it doesn't change, but in certain people's mind, it changes after the 1960s, where it says, you know, it's kind of harsh to say babies are not born with grace. Babies are born not in the dominion of Christ, but babies are born outside the Garden of Eden under the dominion of Satan. That's kind of offensive. We don't like that. So we're going to start stressing something different in baptism. Baptism is going to be more like, Welcome to the community. Baptism is more like, you're part of us. You're part of the family. It's an initiation rite into a club. Instead of the remission of sin. One baptism for the remission of sin. Not one baptism to welcome you into our community. So the ancient Roman baptismal rite, I'm going to read a couple prayers here. It's stunning. The first time I heard it, I thought, wow, that's that's pretty pretty hardcore. It's pretty harsh. The baptismal rite of the Roman rite assumes that the person being baptized has demons in them. That's how hardcore the old Roman rite was. In the 1960s and 1970s, that wasn't very optimistic. And it was all about optimism. It was the age of Aquarius. So 
Many of you have, heard, have had your kids baptized in the old Roman Rite. This is pre-1960s. Uh, so if you go to a fraternity parish, institute parish, traditional Latin mass, uh, diocesan, uh, Society of St. Pius X, this is what you hear. I'm not going to read the whole rite. If you have a Latin mass missal, it's in there. It's usually towards the back. So I'm just going to read some of it. Um, at the very beginning, the priest breathes on the infant and says, depart from him, unclean spirit, and give place to the Holy Ghost, the consoler. So at the very beginning, the priest breathes on the infant and asks the evil spirit to leave. The priest also prays this prayer. I'll do it in English for you. It's prayed in Latin, of course. Almighty eternal God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, look with favor upon this thy servant, thy handmaid, whom thou hast called to take his first steps in the faith. Take from him all blindness of heart. Free him from the snares of Satan, which until now have held him. Open to him, Lord, the gate of mercy. Let me just... This prayer presumes that the unbaptized person has been held in the snares of Satan. Do now, I, I think this is interesting from a, a lot of different perspectives. He can get upset that the church changed it in 1960 and 1970, but your church has the so-called authority to do so unless you're going to say that the magisterium is now invalid and you're going to throw them. Like you can't like, hey, I want the Catholic church because it has the authority. It has magisterial authority. It has the right to declare dogma. I, I want that because many, many cases, that's why you want to be a Catholic. You've got a source of authority instead of the, maybe the chaos you feel like happens in the Protestant world. But then you can't get mad when they change it and go, well, now I don't like it because it it's to this or to that. Well, Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. That That's the magisterial authority. Now, I, I find it interesting, and I've always said this. I believe, and, I, and I'm just going to throw this in here now, I believe the reason infant baptism dominated and began to dominate the early church and became really the normative practice in the early church is simply because they did understand total depravity. They understood that the baby was born dead in their trespasses and sin. And when you have so many infants dying in that period of time, right, because of, of medical, the medical situation at that time and what they knew and couldn't do and, and just how many babies died in infancy, this is going to create a major problem. We understand babies are born dead in their trespasses and sins. We're, we, we know that they're, they're, they're sinners. Well, do they go to heaven? Well, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? We got to come up with a solution. We got to come up with a solution. We got to come up with a solution. So their solution was baptism. Their solution was baptism. Now, I so I understand why. And then therefore, if it's going to be the solution, then you've got to make baptism, not just an, or, an, an ordinance. It's not symbolic. Now it has to be really as a, a means of grace. And now it's going to produce regeneration. It's going to wash away sin. I believe infant baptism was not put there because, I mean, come on, go through the Bible. And, and and I don't think you would read the Bible and go, we, we need infant baptism because it's all over the Bible. No, you, you've got to, you've got to do everything you can to try to infer. Well, they baptize households and you got to try to infer, infer, infer. No, it's, it's by, I'm going to knock my microphone over. I apologize. Uh, it, it's, you have to, I, 
You have to try to just infer that that it's there. It's not explicitly stated in any way, shape, or form. There's never an example of it in any clear way. It's it's people believe and we're baptized. 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 But I can understand that you're like, well, wait a minute. What about babies? I understand that that's going to lead to questions. And I know you need to try to, I got to come up with an answer, but you can't just create a, a, a system, a sacramental system, just because you feel like you've got to answer the problem. You, you, you can't do it that way. So I, 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 be, I like the fact that the older system at least acknowledged the depravity of the baby. Now, maybe acknowledging or, or believing almost that it has demonic spirits in it is a little much, but I got no problem um, with it acknowledging the depravity. I think in, in some ways, historically, it, it proves my point that I think the only reason infant baptism became the dominant force had nothing to do with scripture, had everything to do with, well, we, we got to find a way to get babies saved. Uh, and I, I think history proves that out, but that's not how we come up with a doctrine of baptism. We come up with a doctrine of baptism based off what scripture says, but well, that just, uh, yeah, right there. Let's, let's continue. Well, I want to see how close we can to finishing this. Do you believe that or do you not believe that? And you see how important baptism is. Also, there is the, when, when there's the uh, imposition of hands, there is this prayer. I'm sorry, after the imposition of hands. The priest says, I exercise you, unclean spirit, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Come forth, depart from this servant, O God, for he commands you, O accursed and damned spirit, he who walked upon the sea and extended his right hand to Peter as he was sinking. Therefore, accursed devil, acknowledge your condemnation and pay homage to the true and living God. Pay homage to Jesus Christ, his Son, and to the Holy Ghost, and depart from this servant, O God. For Jesus Christ, our Lord and God, has called him to his holy grace and blessing and to the font of baptism. Then the priest again makes a sign of the cross on the child's head and prays, A cursed devil, never dare to desecrate the sign of the holy cross, which we are tracing upon his forehead through the same Christ our Lord. There are three exorcisms prayed over the infant or prayed over the adult in the Roman rite baptism. This is not a communal marker. So this Deacon Springer, he, in his mind, in his training, maybe it's not his fault, but Deacon Springer was taught that baptism is welcoming a, a little baby into a community. And it becomes a cutesy ceremony. Instead of being solemn, man, oh man. When people come that aren't Catholic to your traditional Roman Rite baptism for infant, they realize this something's going on driving out demons, putting blessed salt in their mouth, anointing the infant, all these things. Some of those things are in the Novus Ordo too, I know. But there's a lot more in the old Roman rite. So Deacon Springer, who baptized Father Hood and all these people invalidly, he somehow got into his head that baptism is a welcoming ceremony, not a remission of sin and a driving out of Satan and the devils. Because of that bad theology, he decided to change the words of baptism. Instead of saying validly, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, he followed the theology that he believed and said, we baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. And that's invalid. 
the Holy See that has said that is invalid because the minister of baptism is not. Again, when did the Holy See say it was invalid? That's the question. When did they just artificially, wait, we know this has been going on and we have decided it's invalid. Was it invalid before the Holy See invalidated it? And if it wasn't, then why would they invalidate it after knowing I'm, I'm going to, I've got to figure this out. I got to, I've got to, I'm, I'm going to see. I know this is not great for a live program, but we have to do this. All right. We have to do this. We got to look this up. We got to look this up. All right. I'm going to put when did the, let's see here. I got to make sure. Okay. When did the Catholic church and validate we baptisms. All right, here we go. Um, nope. Nope. I see here. Okay, here's an explain. Okay, none, none of these are helpful. Uh, all of these are, okay, here's an, it says explainer. Why are thousands of baptisms deemed invalid? All right, when is a baptism not a baptism? When the cleric presiding at the ceremony alters the ritual language in such a fundamental way that it undercuts its meaning according to the Vatican. And even, uh, in even the altering of a single crucial pronoun can render a baptism invalid, it says. A Roman Catholic priest, all right, then it, it tells the story of which we have already talked about, and they reference the story that we're listening to a discussion about here. Um, the Vatican ruled in, tw- okay, here it is. The Vatican ruled in 2020 because it uh, because it's not the we of the congregation doing the baptism, but rather the I of Jesus Christ working through the priest. So they did not invalidate it till 2020. So literally... <laughs> They just, they had to know in 2020 that it was happening and then they invalidated them in 2020. So they were not invalid before the Catholic Church invalidated them? So like, so when, when, like, that's my question. Like, so you can get mad, like, this priest, he messed it up. Well, no, it's your church who invalidated them. They didn't have to. Did they have to invalidate them? Did they have to? Now, you could argue that obviously, if you're not baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, that would be invalidated because we would have scripture to back that up, right? We would have scripture to back back that up. I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, does, I mean, do we have anything like, do, other than the missing of the Trinitarian formula, the I or the we, would that invalidate it according to scripture? And if it was invalidated according to scripture, then the 2020 ruling didn't invalidate it. The 2020 rule would just simply declare that they've always been invalid and they've never been valid. And, and like, I, I don't, it just seems like that this was not a problem until 2020. And clearly they're, they're, they gave a ruling because clearly it must have been a pretty prominent practice. So they took, a, I mean, to give a ruling would require something to be somewhat prominent. I'm speculating here, but that's the best I can guess. And so then what you're saying is that the Catholic Church then invalidated everyone's marriage, confession, confession last rites, their entire salvation. 
just clearly said it's invalidated. It just, I don't get, I don't, I don't get this. Um, it says, uh, yes, has this come up before? This is from an older ABC uh, News article. Yes, cases have arisen in Michigan and Oklahoma of priests who learned their baptism was invalid. The Vatican in June 2020 issued guidance declaring that the formula we baptize you was invalid and that anyone who baptized you using it must be rebaptized properly. The Vatican said that the, there are some unnamed priests who were using the we formula to make the baptisms more of a communal affair involving a parents, godparents in the community and welcoming a new member into the Catholic Church. But an explanatory note accompanying its decision, it recalled that when a priest baptizes someone, it is actually Christ performing the sacrament, not the community. Modifying one's own initiative the form of a celebration of a sacrament does not only constitute liturgical abuse, but a wound inflicted upon the ecclesiastical, the ecclesial communion, the congregation for the doctrine of faith said in the note. The Vatican clearly knew that this ruling would cause upheaval, but for such a fundamental sacrament, which concerns salvation of a soul, it felt the need to insist the freelance variations were not uh, only unacceptable, but invalid. Is the church saying that anyone who invalidly, can we read this correctly? This is very important. Is the church saying that anyone invalidly baptized is going to hell? No, according to church officials and the theologians. Even if we want to make sure that everything is done as the right needs to be done, what needs to be emphasized just as loudly is the notion that God isn't constrained by the errors that a priest might make. This is the most ridiculous. It's invalid, but it's not really invalid. Hey, it's invalid, but, but, but no, 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 no. God's not bound. God's not controlled by our mistake. See, this, this is the part that just drives me crazy about this story. It's invalid, but, 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 but if you were baptized in an invalid way, you do need to be rebaptized. However, you're, you're, you, 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 you would still go to heaven even if you were not. Well, like what in the world? Nobody's assuming God's going to say, well, I'm sorry, you uh, you got the first person uh, plural rather than the first person singular. Um, they go on to say, there's a saying that God works through the sacraments, but he is not limited to the sacraments. <laughs> and so, so hey, you, you, no one's going to say you're going to hell. Well, then it's not invalid. If it, if, if it, does it invalidate your, the washing away of sin or does it not? If it doesn't invalidate the washing away of sin uh, and regeneration, if it didn't invalidate that, then it's not invalid. It's like, on one hand, it's absolutely necessary. Oops, well, everyone's been doing it wrong, but we're, it's okay, it's okay. Now, now you need to be rebaptized, but it's okay. So the confessions that you received were good. The confessions you gave were good. I mean, so ever, so somehow it, it's only invalid in what? In theory, but not in reality? If a person's baptism is deemed invalid, then subsequent rites such as confirmation and the case of priest ordinations are also not valid as sacraments. Well, if the ordination is not valid, then why would your washing away of sin be valid? If the other sacraments are no longer valid, then why would the, the what baptism supposedly do, supposedly accomplishes, why would it be valid? I, I, this is just so crazy. A priest in the Archdiocese of Detroit, uh, again, this is the one, the case that we're listening to discuss, uh, he discovered he received a, a, an, an, an 
invalid baptism and he had to receive a valid baptism and confirmation and ordination. So he had to be reconfor- he had to go through confirmation and be reordained. Well, so that means if, if those things were not valid, then it would logically you would have to say then people's salvation is not valid. How can this is some like double talk? Well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So if you didn't get baptized right, all of these other things are not valid and you got to redo them. However, if someone died, died, eh, the, the, the baptism still counted because God's not limited to baptism or not limited to the sacrament. Well, if he's not limited to the sacrament, then why do you have to redo all of these things? Because it, it would be valid. If it's valid for salvation, it's valid for the rest. He <laughs> uh, says, have some priests altered the baptismal formula? Yes, which may explain the Vatican's insistence on verbal precision in 2020. It issued a near identical instruction in 2008, again, because of variations on the baptismal formula being used by some English-speaking priests. So all the way back in 2008, they knew it was happening. uh, Then some priests were trying to tamp down the patriarchal nature of the rest of the formula, substituting references to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit with phrases like creator, redeemer, and sanctifier. Well, there you're destroying the, the, the Trinitarian formula that was given by Christ himself. Uh, and again, uh, the Vatican declared those baptisms were invalid. Man, <laughs> this is just nuts. When was this article published? This was published, oh, this was published February the 16th, 2022 at 4.18 p.m. So this was published two days ago. So, I mean, there's lots of articles about this, but it's just ridiculous. It's, it invalidates it. Huh? Well, when it comes to salvation, it doesn't. And like, you can't, what kind of game is that playing? You know what? It, I hate to say it. It just shows, I'm getting ready to make a lot of people mad. It just shows to me that the whole thing is about ritual and not about reality. This is just rituals. Oh, it's invalid. Well, it's not, salvation is valid, but, 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 but you, these other things are invalid. Well, wait a minute. If the other things are invalid, then that means any confession you gave wasn't valid. Any, any of the Lord's Supper you received, you took it in an unworthy manner. I, I mean, if you received last rites, by, 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 in other words, all the other things, you, you can't receive any of those other sacraments in a valid way. So you can't say, well, all of those are invalidated, but your salvation somehow is validated. It, it's just at some point, this just becomes ridiculous. And it shows the whole problem with with the whole system. All right, we'll finish this. Here we go. Not specified. We don't know who the minister, when you say we, what does that mean? I is the person doing the baptism. It's specifying the minister of baptism, which also specifies the intent because you need intent in a sacrament as well. You need form, matter, and intent. So, all that's to say is this deacon, uh, sorry, deacon Mark Springer, he, following the false theology, changed the words to we baptize you because he's thinking, look, I don't, it's not me, it's it's we. We are a community. If baptism is welcoming the infant in the community, we are all doing it because it's a communal act. That's heresy. And unfortunately, it led to perhaps at least one, probably hundreds of, of invalid baptism. So what happens here? Well, Father Hood, God bless him, did the right thing. He called up his bishop. I think it's Archbishop Vigneron and says, look, I I reviewed my video of my baptism. The deacon says, invalidly, we baptize you. 
That means I'm not baptized, I'm not confirmed, and I'm not a priest, I'm not a deacon. So Archbishop Vigneron did the right thing here, and he called him in, he baptized him, he confirmed him, he ordained him deacon, he ordained him priest. Just boom, 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 boom. Got it done. Now, what about all the other people? Well, Archbishop Vigneron said, hey, if you were at this parish, St. Anastasia, and you were baptized by Deacon Mark Springer, you need to come in and you need to get baptized and, and confirmed. What's even scarier are the marriages. We're now talking about invalid marriages. What a mess because of this false theology and modernism. Invalid marriages. So that means all the physical relationships that occurred between those married people, they were committing fornication because they weren't actually married. So they've been committing sexual. No, I guess that would be a venial sin since that since they didn't know. I'm like, like, how ridiculous does this all become? It just shows that that we've we've so. I don't want to rip a verse out of context, but it's almost like we've corrupted the simplicity found in Christ to create an entire religious structure that's so with all this hierarchy and this structure and this structure and this structure and this and this and this and this and this and this that that just these are examples of just demonstrating how frivolous it all it's it's all show it just like I it's just ridiculous I don't even know what other words to use for it. Uh, we got like 11 minutes here. Let's try to finish this up real quick. Priests and deacons need to say the words in the book. Period. You have one job. Your job is to pray and say the words that are in the book chosen to us by Holy Mother, the church. Must be done. Now, one final thought before I close up here. Please note, you must say the words chosen by our mother, the Holy Church. Not the words by Christ, but the, by the words of the Holy Church. You must follow that. And if you don't follow that, then everyone is invalid. And if everyone's invalid, but please note, all of these other things are invalid, but somehow, according to ABC News, where they're quoting from all kinds of different Catholic leaders, well, I mean, you know, your salvation is still good. And even that, yeah, the whole thing, the whole thing is just crazy. Let's, I think he's done. Let's see if he says anything else. People ask, okay, so what if I went to Father Hood's Mass for a year and I only went to his Masses? Was I receiving the Holy Eucharist? No, you weren't. He was not a priest. Period, you weren't. That being said, the Council of Trent teaches that if person with right disposition, charity, and devotion to the Eucharist desires to receive the Eucharist, he can make a spiritual communion. So, that being said, God is not bound by the sacraments, but he is bound to the sacraments. God, knowing the situation as omniscient and God being omnipotent, would and likely did give you the graces of a sacramental communion. In If God gave you the graces of the sacrament, then it wasn't invalid. <laughs> I don't understand what... Okay. I, I, now I'm starting to get irritated. Now I'm getting irritated. I've never seen something just talk in absolute complete circles. Okay, it's invalid. But hey, hey, guys, guys, it's not really invalid. Okay, invalid definition. 
a, uh, a invalid, remove someone from active service in the armed forces because of injury or illness, illness. A person made weak or disabled or illness or injury. Oh, that's invalid. That's invalid. I'm sorry. Um, I'm like, where, where is, uh, see here, invalid. Here we go. Um, being without foundation or force in fact, truth, or law. Um, logically inconsequent, inco- all right? Not valid, all right? That's not super helpful. Uh, being without foundation or force, in fact, truth or law. I guess that's the basic understanding. So if it's in, if it's truly invalid, then it's without foundation. It's without force. It's without fact. It's without truth. It's without law. So if you say the baptism is invalid, it has no foundation, no force, no fact, no truth, no law. It didn't do anything. And if you mean that you cannot get the other sacraments because you were not properly baptized, then those other sacraments were without force, without fact, without truth, without law. You can't turn around and say it's invalid, right? It's invalid. uh, And then come then turn around and say but 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 if if you do this and it did this then then well you got the grace that was in it then that wasn't invalidated so i i don't understand like it's invalid but it's not invalid well if you're still receiving the grace and you got all the benefits from it well then it wasn't invalid and therefore there would be no need to get rebaptized in those moments but you did not receive the transubstantiated body and blood of Christ. In order for that to work, there must be a valid priest, and he was an invalid priest. Okay, so you didn't actually get the body and blood of Christ, but you got some kind of grace. All right, but but the real issue is, did you get the grace from your baptism? Let's see if he answers that. So no transubstantiation happened. Someone might then say, well, what about last rites? Only a priest who's ordained can give you extreme unction. So when Father Hood, this is a sad situation, visited a hospital and anointed someone, the anointing of the sick for extreme unction, that was invalid. Still, God could give the person, and most likely did, made them recipients of the graces of that sacrament. It was invalid, but still, God God made it valid. Well, then it wasn't invalid. This is the thing that they, their system creates a thing that says you must do it this way. And if you don't do it this way, it doesn't work. But the results of that would be people going to hell. And they don't want to say that. So they're finding every way to work around it, which is exactly what I said would happen in yesterday's broadcast. This is so, it's, it's look, man, this is the stuff that drives me crazy. I get it's even with people who will be like uh, even Protestant churches who will say you have to be baptized to be saved and then come up with 500 different ways. Well, you know, if you're in the military and you get saved on the battlefield and you can't get baptized. Well, no, no, no. You're okay then. No, either it's required or it isn't required. It's that simple. Okay. You can't make 900. If look, if there's all these. If there's all these exceptions and all these different ways to work around all of these issues, then why don't we just work around an issue for everyone and say everyone is saved? Why don't we just find a workaround for everyone? 
Right? What? What? But and now, in these situations, no, 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 no. no the, your baptism was invalid, but somehow your last rites, everything was still good. Everything was still good. Well, well, then just say everyone is good. Just, just do a workaround for everyone. Let's just go outside, throw some water. In. Let's say the next time it rains, anyone who gets wet, that's a valid baptism. Let's just declare everyone to be saved. Man, this, this. This is maddening just from a logical, like trying to follow the logic of this. It's just, it, it just seems to me that the, that all the words that they're saying, they don't really believe any of their words because they're saying something is invalid by arguing that somehow it still was valid. But we can never presume on this. This is why the church is so strict on form, matter, and intent. So it has to be fixed. You can't just be like, oh, well, God just sort of, you know, he'll kind of figure it out. No, we are talking about the seven sacraments instituted by Christ. And in Matthew 28, Christ gave us the exact form for the sacrament of baptism. The marriages will also have to be handled. If someone received one of these invalid baptisms by Deacon Mark Springer, they will, I don't know how exactly the bishop will handle that. But it's an enormous mess. And guess who laughs it up? Guess who loves this? The devil. Satan loves this. And you can see, you just change a little bit of theology. Baptism is a communal reception. It's not the remission of sin. You get that into people's minds. They start changing the theology. They start changing the sacrament. And now you have hundreds of people not baptized. A priest saying invalid masses. A priest giving, I forgot even to mention, Sacrament of penance, absolutions. Yes, those are invalid confessions. Sadly, a priest did not hear those confessions. Could God still give the graces of absolution to someone who came in good faith and had no idea that this priest was not ordained? Yes, absolutely, but we don't presume. It's invalid, but what? But 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 we believe God still worked it out. He still hasn't dealt with the the big issue. If the baptism was invalid, then were the people regenerated and were their sins washed away? If they're not, remember He's already stressed that they were dead in their trespasses and sin. You were dead in your sins before your baptism. That means all those people are still dead in their sins. Come on, work, give me the workaround for that. Give me the workaround for that. He's worked around every other problem. Give me the workaround. I, that, he's got six minutes. Give me the workaround where these, because he's so stressed the Latin rite that man, this it's exorcism. You're getting rid of the demons. These people are dead in their trespasses and sins and, and baptism washes away and regenerates and brings you to spiritual life. Okay, you've stressed it. Now you've said these baptisms are invalid. That means those people are dead in their trespasses and sins. Come on, give me the workaround. Give me the workaround. I want to hear the workaround presume on it. We don't presume on it. So in closing, what we're seeing here is infiltration, folks. It's not, look, people say, well, why do you think the traditional rights are better? Why do you think, I mean, they're all valid. They're all valid. They're all valid. Look, a clown mass is, can be valid. I don't want to go to one. I don't think it's good. I don't think it's God honoring. You could, you could have the most weird, strange, blasphemous settings for a mass and it could still be valid. But that doesn't mean that that's what we as the Catholic Church want to offer to God. 
valid is awesome. We believe in ex opere operato, and thanks be to God we do. It would be Donatist. We'd believe that sacraments rely on the faithfulness and the holiness of the minister, and we don't believe that as Catholics. Augustine taught against that. Council of Trent taught against that. We believe that the sacraments, if there's the right minister, there's form, there's matter and proper intent, the sacrament always works. It always confects. Always, 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 because Christ is the minister. But the devil, if he gets in and he plays around with form and matter, if the priest uses Dr. Pepper instead of wine, or he uses barley bread instead of wheat bread, invalid. Invalid. Catholics are serious about this. So the devil infiltrates on multiple levels. Theology and liturgy. And we're talking about salvation and grace. Sacraments are not just add-ons we have as Catholics. Sacraments are the core. What do you think Satan wants to attack most of all in the church? Let me, let me tell you, in case you don't know. Satan wants to attack the Pope, big time. Satan wants to attack nuns, big time. Satan wants to attack the priesthood and all the priests, big time. And Satan wants to undermine the holy liturgy and all the sacraments. That's what he hates. He hates all that. And he also hates devotion to the Blessed Mother. These are like the top five on the hit list of hell. Please know he's blaming Satan here. He's not even willing to look at maybe your whole system is just so clearly just messed up. He's not even talked about salvation in Christ. Obviously not. That The whole thing is so broken, but listen what he's not done. He tried to do a workaround. Well, they'll have to work around the marriage problem. And, and, and last, he tried to find workarounds. But even though he stressed at the beginning of this, baptism in the in the uh, Latin rite, look at how it really works. You are dead in your sins. You're basically demonically possessed as a baby until you are baptized. And yet he's not told us, well, so if all of these people have an invalid baptism, then they're all dead in their trespasses and sin. Forget a state of grace. They're nowhere anywhere close in a state of grace. They are nowhere near a state of grace. They've not even received one valid sacrament. They are going to go to hell. They're not even going to go to purgatory. They're not in a state of grace. They're dead in their trespasses and sins. He established that argument early on. Now it's, he's reached the end and he's just going to blame Satan and he's not even going to try to explain this. Now he's just got a couple of minutes left here, like five minutes left. I don't think he's going, I'm, I don't think he's, I'm going to at least give him the opportunity to see if he, I mean, he's going to need more than five minutes to do his work around, but he's not even going to answer that question, which should have been the whole point of his entire presentation. So we should not be surprised in 2020 if those top five are getting hit all the time. All the time. And it's an inside job. The worst hits are always an inside job. Arianism, the great heresy, the worst heresy we've had until our modern day, was devised and, and popularized and promulgated by a Catholic priest named Arius. Protestant Reformation, inside job. Catholic priest named Father Martin Luther. Nestorianism, the denial of Mary's mother of God in a heresy about Christ, Archbishop Metropolitan Nestorius of Constantinople. Iconoclasm, all done by priests and, and bishops and patriarchs. 
all the major heresies go back to the principle of Judas Iscariot, betrayed with a kiss, betrayed by the priests of Jesus Christ. It's the priests usually who betray Christ, the church, and the lady with their heresies and their lies and their corruption in the sacraments. This is why we have to pray for our priests. We have to pray for holy vocations. This is why I'm a big believer in Ember Days. Ember Days are praying for our priests and praying for our seminarians and for vocations. Why did we as Catholics drop that? Why did Catholics get rid of Ember Days where the laity all come together and fast and pray for priests and for vocations? How dumb were we to drop that? So if you're a traditional Catholic, make sure you're keeping those Ember How dumb were we? Well, couldn't your magisterium make it happen? <laughs> what? I mean, like, uh, I, I, I just don't get it. Like, I mean, does, can't the magisterium put it back into place? Can't the magisterium make it a, 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 a day of obligation where all Catholics would be obligated to participate in those days? I mean, I, I, it's like you're, you're, I, okay. Days. Get a traditional calendar. And make sure you keep the Ember Days. All right, we're going to pray in Ave Maria. We're going to pray for Father Hood, who experiences... There you go. So, he's not going to explain it. After making it sound like baptism is... Man, if you don't if you don't get baptized, you're dead in your trespasses and sins. Then goes through a whole thing showing how they're invalid. Then he does all of these workarounds saying, well, well, this world, God would still, God would still. Doesn't even come back to baptisms going, what does it mean that the baptisms are invalid? He doesn't even, he, he demonstrates that if the baptism is invalid, all the other sacraments are invalid. But then he does a workaround for all the other sacraments. The whole thing is ridiculous. The whole, the whole thing is meaningless. It's meaningless, empty ritual that when you're confronted with the reality that the ritual didn't work, you do a workaround to make it still valid, even though you say that the ritual didn't work. It, it's, it's just meaningless nonsense. I mean, look, I, I, man, I wanted to have a bigger discussion about, you know, what makes a baptism valid or invalid and have a bigger discussion. But that's crazy. That's, that's what I thought Catholics would do. I thought they would do this just, it's invalid. Well, not really. It, 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 that's what it turned into. I'm going to stop. We're at one hour and 17 minutes. I'm sorry for almost knocking the microphone over at one point. I was holding my Bible and, uh, I, I was holding my Bible and then because I, I just wanted to scream, you know, hey, put away all of your religiosity and your whole religious system that is so just obviously so flimsy that one changed word can destroy everyone's salvation. Want to throw all of that away and have people return to the simplicity found in Christ. Yeah. But let me make it very clear. The, the Chaos that you're seeing there can happen in the Protestant world too. And that would be a whole different podcast. But, but I was holding my Bible and I ended up like right there, almost knocking the microphone over. So um, I apologize for that because now when I listen to it, I'm going to be mad that there was a, an audio mistake in it. So, but there you have it. All right. You can email me your thoughts about this. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. All right. Thanks for listening. Everyone have a great day. God bless.